0: you're listening to the Homesaging Show podcast, I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and staging your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to Season 10. This is Episode 1. This episode is brought to you by SocialiteVault.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your homesaging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Socialite Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Socialite specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to socialitevault.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Season 10, Episode 1. I'm so excited to bring you Season 10 back. It's absolutely incredible. I really never thought about uh, I'll be podcasting for this long. So this is super exciting. I'm also very excited to welcome our sponsor for this season. So special thanks to Kate at Socialite Vault for your sponsorship. It's really stuff like this and your support and your reviews and your ratings on iTunes that really help us to keep going with the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for everyone who's been so kind, who has written a review for us on iTunes and rated us and also email me or DM me on Instagram, um, sending me your encouragement. It is really, really amazing um, because it's because people like you, we still have a show today. So, thank you so much for listening. So, before we get started, I have super exciting updates, just a couple of them, nothing huge. But I've been working very hard on some behind the scenes stuff. This is probably why you never see me on social media very often nowadays. But the goal really is to improve the experience for people who visit our website for more information and also for our students as well. So, I've been hosting some free training while the podcast was not in season. And the response has been very, very positive. So it's very encouraging. Uh, yesterday, I just hosted Scott Brookens. He's a business law attorney. And it was absolutely amazing and a lot of fun. And Scott was very generous and amazing at breaking down all the complicated law concepts. We talk about uh, legal entities, you know, like LLC, sole proprietor, even S-Corp. Talk about banking as well, down the legal side of things, and also home staging contracts. Plus, I personally think that Scott sounds a bit like Bradley Cooper. It just so happened that Scott's camera wasn't working. So the whole time when he was talking about law stuff, I just imagined Bradley Cooper talking about law to me. So the replay for the free training is up and is available to watch on our website. You can just go to stagemore.com slash free training. Um, If you haven't watched it yet, I highly encourage you to do that. Scott was very generous and very kind, and people asked a lot of great questions as well. Like I think we did Q&A for like half an hour. We definitely went over a bit. People asked a lot about LLCs, which I think is very, very important because it's really important to protect your personal asset from your business asset in case something were to go wrong. He also covered some uh, common pitfalls about home staging contracts. Um, Some of the mistakes that his clients have made, um, his small business clients have made. So I highly encourage you to watch the free training if you haven't done so already. And I'm also teaching another free training next month on October 15th. It's a Tuesday on marketing. So you can go to stageworld.com slash free training to sign up. So I basically take a lot of commonly asked questions, like I get a lot of emails about how to get new clients. So I kind of broke it down into different strategies and suggestion on workflow and systems. But I'll put all this information in the show notes as well. So you can always go to our website at stageworld.com slash blog or slash podcast to find the information. So in addition to these, I have a couple big announcements. And the first one is I'm actually hiring. So, we, the school of SageMore is still kind of in the bootstraps, you know, startup mode. Um, because our school population is still fairly small. We have a very small community of students. So, I'm offering to barter for our courses or coaching calls if you're really, really good at editing copy. So if you have a writing background and you're great with copy editing and want to take one of our courses like Six Figure Four Plan or Cash into Cushions, please let me know because we have a tremendous amount of content on our website now. It does take a lot of time for me to produce and write content. A blog blog post can actually take me four hours to write. So I'm usually just trying to get content out as fast as I can, even though it may not be absolutely perfect or edited imperfection. And I also write like how I talk. I talk very conversationally. So there are some grammar issues as well. In addition, English is not my first language. So I do need a bit of help in terms of the copy editing part. So if you have experience in copy editing and are willing to barter for coaching calls and courses, please get in touch with me. You can do that through our website at stagemore.com contact. And I'm also looking for regular contributors for our blog as well. If you're interested in contributing to our blog occasionally or become a regular writer for our blog, please let me know. Especially if you're new to staging, it's a really great way to establish credibility or visibility as well, since we'll be linking back to your site. Our site has been around on the internet for 12, well, 13 years now. And throughout this time, it's very well SEOed. It's something I always worked on, which is search engine optimization. So um, having a link from our site back to your site is going to help to boost your credibility in the eyes of search engines. So it's going to help with your search engine optimization as well. So if you're interested, please definitely get in touch, um, especially if you have perspectives on home staging and, you know, anything that you want to talk about. So I just love collaboration. So just get in touch with me. So the other big personal, the other big announcement has to do with a little bit of my personal life and also on the staging side of business as well. So I'm actually moving to London on Monday. And that's right. In just a few days, um, I'll be moving to London. And I want to keep pursuing my work on the photography side. So a lot of my personal projects are about social issues, specifically about immigration and being a woman growing up with traditional values, but living in a Western society. And also identity issues as well, since that's pretty much my background. So I'm actually going back to school for my master's degree in photojournalism. And as a photographer, I specialize uh, in still life. So basically things don't move. And I'm now expanding into shooting interiors and restaurants as well. So this is a really great opportunity to work on that side of my work. For me, it is really important to do work that I feel very passionate about. So in the past few months, I've been working very hard on improving our systems, improving our site, and also try to build partnerships so that um, we can get support and our students and our community at large will still be taken care of while I'm working on my personal work. And if you're based in London or in the UK area, I will be teaching home at a university. I will be teaching home staging at University of Arts London at their Chelsea campus. So I'll put a link in the show notes um, if you're interested, or you can just Google UAL home staging, and the course description should pop up. So if you have already taken any of our courses for home stagers, like 6 figure 4 plan, Cash in the Cushions, and a couple of our legacy courses, like the boot camp or the launcher course, you will be getting some big updates coming to you in the next month. My goal really is to help you succeed and make sure you're thriving and building and growing your home staging business. I'm not really into the business model where I just take your money and run and then never hear from me again. I'm also not interested in keep upselling you things like conferences and stuff like that. Um, I don't want that to be the only time that you hear from me once you're one of our students. So it's really important for me to make sure that you are succeeding in your business and you're achieving the goals that you want to achieve when you sign on to one of our courses. And if you're not part of our student community yet, not to worry. I'm planning on more partnerships as well and also more free training for you. So there are lots of good stuff coming down the pipeline for everyone. And I'm super excited because I was really encouraged by the feedback that we had with Camille, who's a website designer last month, and also with Scott um, from yesterday. I think people are getting a lot out of these free trainings. I'm really, really excited to be able to offer more of that. So next month, it's on marketing. I'll be teaching that one. And in December, I'm in talks with a Profit First coach. She's going to talk about finance and profitability for home staging businesses. So it's going to be super exciting. So that's all the exciting announcements. And let's start today's Q&A. So our first question is from Victoria. Do you have any guidelines or rules for art? And also, how do you choose art pieces for a home to encourage the flow and or com- uh, continuity? So I actually do. Skill and proportion is my number one concern when it comes to art. I'm fairly relaxed. Like um, I really stage by intuition. But now because I'm a trainer, I'm starting to teach training and uh, for staging and selling and also on the business side of things. I find that I really have to find a really good way to express and to teach what I know. And so one of the things I find is that for me, when it comes to art for projects, I scale and proportion is my number one priority. And the next one is color story. So I feel that the scale and proportion, if, if, if they're off on the artwork, it's gonna instantly put people off and they're, they might not be sure why. But when they walk in the room, they're going to feel a little bit odd and maybe unbalanced as well. And in our brain, um, subconsciously, it's going to make people feel alarmed and uneasy. So it's really important that when you are staging, that you want to produce a room that is that feels very well balanced and feels very welcoming. Because it ultimately puts ourselves at ease. It's just kind of the science of our brain behind design. So I will actually pick scale and proportion over the content of the piece itself. And I've done that several times when I see an empty wall that really needs something. So maybe the, the topic of that art is not particularly fitting, but it works for that particular space, especially with scale and proportion, I will actually use those pieces, even if they may not be ideal. But if it's something that only, you know, those are the only things I have to work with, that's what I have to do. So the next thing I think is really important is your color story, especially you're asking about continuity and also the flow. It really helps to pull the home together when you have a very cohesive color story. So I'll actually recommend doing one main color and one to two accent colors and nothing more than that. If you add more, the space can feel a bit messy. So that's the other thing too. It's a You want to really hone in on your message. And also as a business owner, people are hiring you for something. And usually that is your special sauce. It's that special something that you bring to staging and the look and feel of it. And so for you to really tighten, to really hone in on your brand, it's really important that when you're staging, you really think about what is the look and feel that you want to achieve through your staging. Like, What is your signature style? And in interior design, there's also this thing called the 60-30-10 rule. When you do 60% of neutral colors and then 30% of the in-between colors. So they are the supporting colors for the neutral and also supporting color for the accent. And the last 10% on the strongest accent colors that you have. So when we say pop a color, that usually is this 10%. So I think if you're starting out, this is a really great way to go, to do the 60-30-10 rule. And as you get more and more comfortable, feel free to start breaking some of the rules and experiment as well. And the other thing, too, when we talk about colors, um, a lot of times we use color wheel, right? So there's different combinations as well, like complementary is a really good one. Um, So those are kind of the things that you can look into. Um, You can find all this stuff on the Internet pretty much. Especially because these design theories been around for a long time, and actually, by the way, I talk about these um, concepts in one of our recent free trainings on styling and staging. I think I did it in August or, or July, I think a few months ago. So I'm actually in the process of editing that audio because it was a live online. Uh, it was a live online free training. And actually, I might actually re-record it. So I'm not sure yet. It just depends on how I feel about the content. So I mean and also I might add a few new slides as well. So I'm gonna put a sign-up form in our show notes for this episode. So if you're interested, get on that wait list. And once I finish rendering that training, I'm gonna send you an email so you can watch that more in depth because I talk an hour about basically composition and design principles that I think are really key uh, when it comes to staging and styling. And so the next question I have is from Edie from Seattle. Hi, Cindy. This is Edie Keach from outside of Seattle. And I'm calling with a question that I thought you might be able to answer and share uh, in your new program. Recently, I've been mentoring a few new stagers. They all seem to have issues with self-confidence and self-worth. What can you recommend to improve a stager's sense of assurance in both design and business aspects? Thanks so much. Bye-bye. So I think this is a great question. I think there are a few reasons why people don't have the confidence or feeling self-worth uh In what they do, I personally have gone through these feelings as well when I first started. and actually, even till now, I mean, you you definitely would feel the self doubt creeping in. and I think a lot of it may be insecurities. maybe you're feeling that you're not good enough or what people talk about the imposter syndrome where you feel like um even though you look successful on the outside, but it's you feel like like I like a fraud on the inside. And a lot of these can be stemmed from feelings that you're not good enough. Or maybe there are situations in the past that can trigger these type of feelings coming up. And I think one of the most effective ways um, to deal with these kind of issues is to really find the clarity of what are the roots, what is at the root of these issues and understanding your core values. So for example, what really drive you? What are you passionate about? And what do you feel like is your purpose? And I think at the end of the day, what we do, do require finance, but it's not fineness, sorry, but it is not rocket science or brain surgeries. We can figure out these issues and challenges that we encounter in our work. And to gain clarity of yourself, I think mindset work is incredibly important, and I really highly recommend it. When I finally found the clarity about what kind of business and what kind of life I want to live and to have, my business really shifted. It shifted from a really struggling business, like, oh, I don't know where the next client's going to come in from, to a six-figure business in a fairly short amount of time. And I did a lot of groundwork for that with my business coach. Um, and I really credit my business coach for that. And I think it is really important to find someone who can guide you and coach you throughout that journey without over-imposing with their own values or what they think is right or wrong for your business because ultimately you know that yourself i i mean i mean i think this might sound a bit woo woo but i like for example i'm a sagittarius and i really believe i'm like the typical sagittarius i really believe in my own intuition in my gut feeling and every time i know when i ignore that gut feeling it just some disastrous disastrous thing can happen like Either like, say if I bent over backward for a client, I didn't feel okay going into it. Um, Like the client was like, hey, can you just like bring an extra couch or something like that? And without putting the agreement in place, I felt uncomfortable. I did it anyway. And then it backfired. I mean, those situations does happen. So I think a lot of times when you're feeling that self-doubt or lack of self-worth, really kind of delve into why do you feel this way? And a lot of times I do encourage people to journal, Um, sit in a very quiet room, just be still for a few minutes and just take a few deep breaths and really calm yourself down and really think, like, why do you feel this way about your work? Because I struggle with that a lot in the early on of my business. And that's also part of catalyst why I decide to have a school now because I don't want people to feel that shame. I don't want people to feel that insecurity. I think it's really, really important for me as a training provider to make sure that people are successful if they choose to take our training. And that's very, really important for me too is that all this mindset work is, I think, extremely crucial in how you approach business and your life. Mindset work for me is very, very important and I highly encourage you to do that. It's something that I definitely push for in our course. Like if you, for example, if you take six, figure four plan, we actually have a bonus module, module zero. That's like the very first module you would do It's on your mindset work. Because if you come in from negative mindset, like I'm not good enough, it's going to reflect into your work. It's going to seep through it. It's very insidious. And that's why I really want to help you to build that confidence I mean there there's there scenarios where like maybe you really don't have the knowledge to it. so um, so it could be why it could be why also is that there was not enough education and that is actually fairly easy to solve. You can do a lot of research on what kind of coach or, or business course that you can take to get over that hurdle. And also, I just want to say, having worked with business coaches, not every business coach or course is right for you. Like, I'm very flat out and very honest. Like, if you come to me and I, I feel like our course is not a right fit for you, I'm going to tell you straight up. Because for me, getting into this business is not really about the money. I'm passionate about education. So it's really important for me that our students are successful. So even though we're doing things like we're rolling out in October, sorry to spoil the surprise, but like we're rolling out in October, we're doing like um, a private alumni club where people can get more support, more coaching calls throughout the year. Be, we lose money, obviously, like I have to put in time to build that and create a content for it. But I know our students will appreciate it. So for me, that is a value add. So for me, it's always like starting from your why. There's a book that I really recommend by Simon Sinek, and it's literally called Start With Why, because that's a really kind of the, the internal question I always ask myself. Like, what is the core value? Why am I doing this? Is this really serving my audience? Is this really solving a problem for them? And money for me is kind of a secondary in the sense that if you, I I truly believe that if you do good work, people will come, you know, it's not like the Kevin Costner thing, like if you build it, they will come. But I think if you genuinely focus on doing what is right and what, you know, and focusing on the quality of the work that you're putting out, people are naturally going to attract to your platform, to your tribe. So I think that is very, very important. But back to business coach and mentors. So, you know, you might not, you know. Every coaching interview, it might not be the right fit for you. And this is why I also encourage you to interview a few. Like a business coach that works for me may not work for you. And when it comes to lack of knowledge, for example, like for example, like hiring was one of my weakest points. I have problem right, uh, hiring the right people in my business. Like I have some assistants that were just very disastrous. Um... And it just, it, it was unpleasant basically. And we were frustrated, they were frustrated and it was not a good relationship. But that was early on in my career. I really didn't have a clear sense in terms of what exactly we need in the business. And again, so that clarity is very important because once you have that clarity, once you work on that, you figure out what exactly it is you need and you want for your business and for yourself, then the rest really comes very naturally. Because if you have a very clear picture, for example, what your assistant is going to be like, when you hire, you're going to look for that person. And if that person that comes into the interview, they're not the right fit, immediately you're going to know because you already have that clarity in terms of what that person needs to be. So, um, so like, for example, I know hiring was one of my weakest points and we needed to hire to grow. And so I actually hired a coach who specialized in hiring, and we worked on just on that. like we we did like a 10 uh, sessions package to just work on hiring to develop our hiring system you know from the initial phone call um, to the interview process, and then also to figure out if this person is the right fit for us. You know there's tests that we do there's there's certain interview questions that we do to basically put them through the test to see if they're the right fit for us. And at the same time, if we are the right fit for them, because I think it's very important that mutually this is going to work for everyone involved. So those are kind of things that I did in my business and I recommend. And um, I just want to encourage you guys, um, especially those of you who are feeling self-doubt, um, look at the work that you're doing now, because that was one of the things that really hung up, like, I was really hung up on, because I was, like, really frustrated, I feel like we we're not good enough, but my sister, who, who, was, who was my business partner, she's just like, you know, we're getting booked, like, we have repeat clients, so we must not doing that terrible, right, because sometimes when you have this negative thing, you kind of focus on it, you become laser focused on it, and you're obsessed with it, and it kind of makes you lose the entire big picture. So I think sometimes it is really important to get that perspective. Because, okay, if you're getting consistent feedback that your staging has a problem, then there, it's, a, it's a really strong possibility that there is a problem that you need to fix. So now your clients already gave you the feedback. You know what it is. Then it's easy for you to do that to fix that. Like for example, I talked about earlier that we're hiring. It's because I get a lot of emails. Well, not a whole lot, but you know, once a month probably. Um, that you know, Cindy, there is a few grammar mistakes. Da 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 da. And so I know consistently that that is one of the feedback that people have. I mean, they think the content is good, but the grammar is distracting. So then as a service provider, then I need to work on that, right? So I'm taking the step to do it by hiring editor or bartering a course to hire someone who's qualified to do it. So there are always ways for you to figure things out. Um, I took a course from this woman called Marie Forleo, and she's very big in the online business um, sector, especially in kind of like the inspirational business for women and she actually has a new book out. It's called "Everything is Figure and I really love that model because it is everything is figure outable like you can figure things out I mean, like I said earlier, you know we're not doing brain surgery, we're not curing cancer. you know our business does require you know fineness to it. you know there are tips and hacks and ways for people to make uh, uh, to feel welcome when they come into the space. But at the end of the day, it is is what it is. We are not curing cancer here. So there are business problems, sure. But there are plenty of people who are successful in this business. That means that these issues that you're encountering can be figured out. So if you feel that maybe you're not good enough or whatever it is, I encourage you to keep a journal and write it down. Write down why do you think you're not good enough. And during the process of writing, it might be very cathartic and you might be ways for you to kind of document and see if there's a pattern in your thought that you can try to change because ultimately it comes down to your mindset. So I hope that helps. If not, feel free to comment in the show notes. And um, I really want to stress that once you pinpoint What is our underlying issue? When you get that clarity, I think it will be much easier for you to get help and also find the right solution for you. And I know this is still very abstract when we talk about mindset, but I really know it works because I've been through it myself and I've seen it on many other successful business owners as well. And this is why I push for this in our uh, courses and in pretty much everything I teach or do or write about because I think ultimately it comes down to the mindset. So the next question I have is from Donna. Hi, Cindy. This is Donna Henderson from Lemon Lime Home Design, and I so appreciate your show, the home staging show. I've learned so very much um, to help me in my business. Um, I have a question um, for the show. How can home stagers who focus on occupied homes develop a portfolio that really wows and gets the opportunity, and how do we get the opportunity to design amazing interiors? It seems impossible to compete with vacant stagers in this regard, but not all of us want nor are able to take on vacant staging operations. So I hope you can answer that for me and for all the others that I've heard discuss this question, and um, uh, I'd really, we'd really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. So I think this is a really great question, Donna, and I really love hearing your voice. I feel like Donna is one of my number one fans, along with Edie. Um, I do see both of you a lot in our Facebook group, so I really love to hear your voices. So I think this really has to do with mindset as well. So if you look at magazines when they showcase homes with the homeowners, they are living in those homes. So stylists will often come in and they'll bring in some pieces, fresh flowers, and some props but ultimately, most of the things that you see in magazines are actually from those homes. They're just rearranged. So it's basically what we do um, when we do Occupy staging. It's, it's fairly similar. And I know this because I used to work on photo shoots as a prop styling assistant. So my very first photo shoot I actually worked on is actually for O Magazine, for Oprah. It was such a big deal. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and the style is we had a, uh, we had the opportunity to basically shoot a cover story for, um, Oprah's magazine and it was for Michael Colin, uh, Michael Pollan. He was kind of a personal hero of mine. So I was getting a bit flabbergasted when we got to his house. But anyway, that was essentially what we did because they already have a very nice home, but they may not have a lot of decorated pieces. So basically what the stylist did was um, before the photo shoots, they kind of did a location scout. And so she kind of brought in things that she thought would go very well with the house already. So essentially, um, that's basically what... What um, Occupy stagers do as well. It's just not like there, there's no like a camera or photographer following you around taking photos of it. But yeah, so there are ways and opportunities for you to do Occupy homes that look beautiful in the portfolio. So I do think this is a mindset issue a bit. And also that I think a lot of stagers do feel, especially when you're doing Occupy, if you specialize in Occupy, you may feel like vacant home stagers really have the upper hand. But I don't really think that's true. Um, I think it comes down to how you feel about your work. And if you're working in million-dollar home markets, for example, those are still million-dollar homes. I mean, they're luxury homes. So you can get create a great portfolio from these type of work. Maybe not in the very beginning when you're starting out, but you can build toward that to get bigger projects. And it's very, very possible as well. So I don't want you to focus thinking that, oh, your portfolio is not good enough. And actually, in fact, um, I can say this because Donna is one of our students from Cash in the Cushions and she posts a recent project from um, one of her... Uh, homeowners where she did a redesign because one of our exercise in that course is to do shelfie which I think is a really great way for you to practice on how different props coming together and especially if you're practicing on a vacant one versus like an occupied home where there's a lot of stuff going around so I actually thought she did a great job and Donna I know you're listening so yeah you did a really great job I think the only issue I would make I may say is that when I see this in a lot of stages as well, it's that you do great work, but the presentation aspect of it may not be as great as your work. Does that make sense? So it has to do with the way you're photographing. And I know like, you know, when you're posting photos in your group, it's just definitely for us to see and then to give you feedback um, as peers. But for you to present this professionally, I definitely would recommend, um, this is for everyone that... If you're presenting your work for your portfolio, you definitely want to consider to get it professionally shot. Um, if not, approach someone in our school in photography program that they still need they, they need for they need portfolio basically. So you can barter. Like you do the styling and then they shoot it. And then this can go into both of your portfolios, so it's a win-win situation, and this is going to really help you a lot with presentation. And I can give you a few pointers really quick in terms of photographing. This is something that I see um, a lot of stages are not doing. It's like I understand that you might not like shoot with a big DSLR, or maybe you are. But the thing is that. It's sometimes really not about the equipment. A lot of times, people are obsessed with it. I mean, there are factors that go into it. I think I'm going to do a, a training next, uh, early next year, on this um, about photography because I think it's really important that you are presenting your photographs and your portfolio well to really represent the type of great work that you're doing. So a lot of times I see is that when you're shooting, the angles are not straight. In interior photography, it's really, really important that all the angles are straight. So a lot of times people are, you know, they shoot the room and it's not straight. It looks tilted and it's going to affect the way people feel when they look at the photo. So one of the things when I shoot interior, I make sure the principal lines, it's impossible, like every lens has distortion. If you're shooting um, on your iPhone, for example, there's a new statistics that a lot of people are getting nose jobs, like there's a significant rise uh, with the popularity of uh, selfie. It's because when you're taking selfie, your lens on your camera phone has a distortion. So it will make the things that's closest to the lens bigger. And this is why a lot of times people are like, oh my God, my nose looks so big and they feel like they need need to get a nose job for it. But it's actually not true. It's because it's coming from distortion from the camera. And this is why there's a lot of apps out there to help you tweak these little things. And so when I shoot interiors, for example, I always make sure, for example, the door frame usually is straight, right? It's built properly, then it's straight. So I'll make sure those lines that we know in our brain um, as viewer, that should be straight. I'll make sure those can be as straight as possible. And the other biggest issues I see is um, is color balance. So when you're shooting in natural light, also depending on what time of the day, the color is going to be a bit different. So when we're in photography, we talk about golden uh, golden hours, for example. The golden hours lights are a bit yellower, and that's why it's called a golden hour. But during different times of the day, the the natural light may be bluer. So, and also it depends if you're shooting with lights on indoors, and then when you're shooting the room and it's a mixture of different sorts of lights, like you have natural light, which is a bit bluer, and then you have um, indoor lights where it's a bit yellow. It's really going to change your perception of the colors as well. And so, I really recommend you to start maybe playing with, you know, simple editing, uh, photo editing uh, apps like Visco VSCO, or Snapseed to really start really observing these differences and how you can edit your photos. Because I think those are really the easy ways for you to just like draw around with your fingers on your, your phone or on your iPad, whatever, and start experimenting different ways of editing. And by editing, by learning how to edit your photos properly or have a professional do it, it's really going to help with your presentation. So that's my biggest tip on that. And, but again, I, I do think Occupy staging, um, you can do really great million-dollar jobs and still look very beautiful, um, maybe sometimes even, even better than vacant home stagers. Um, I know vacant home staging, you have more control. Uh, in terms of the inventory you want to put in and stuff like that, the color story, but you can, but I think occupied staging is actually a more difficult discipline, just because you have to work with the homeowner stuff and the homeowner might not, you know, updated their home for a while and you need to still figure out a solution that will work for them to apply to today's own, uh, to today's real estate market. And another thing is that your skill set as an Occupy Stager can be applied in all areas like staging Airbnbs because you're not making purchase decisions for inventory But you and you are also not, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I mean, when you're staging Airbnb, you are making the purchasing decision for the inventory for clients, but you are not keeping them. You're also not spending the money out of your own pocket. So it's a really great way. And this is why I love... Um, pushing, you know, like you taking cash on the cushion, so you know, like I really push for nailing, you know, the design principles and elements and the composition, like knowing how the camera is looking at the interiors that you just did. Because I think those skills can be applied to a wide range of things. Like I freelance, for example, in event design, um, through our staging business, I actually did event design and holiday decor. I also work briefly as a florist freelancing for a friend and also for a a flower shop. And a lot of things that we learn in design, like elements and stuff like that, those are all interchangeable in um, styling. I mean, you're still working with lines, still with working with colors, still working with textures, patterns, layering, um, balance, and all these different design principles. It, it's a very broad application. A lot of times we think, oh, I'm a stager, so I must stage homes. That's not true. I mean, you can apply that skill set to a wide range of different discipline. But you want to make sure, especially if you're new in the market, you're a new stager, you really hone in on your principal skill. So your principal career, like you're, if you're a stager, but you also do design. You want to make sure you have a good balance of it because staging is very seasonal in the sense that you're going to be really busy, really busy about seven months of the year. And so you need to figure out what you're going to do the rest of the five months, So, for example, my busy season was from March through the end of October. Usually once Halloween hits, it's going to be dead. I mean, people are going to be in holiday mode. So that's when I take on holiday decor and design kind of um, type of work, like uh, like short-term design work, not like long-term design. So you know, those are different ways for you to supplement your income and to make sure that you're building multiple streams of income. So I just want to say that don't get discouraged if you decide to focus on occupied staging. I know you're passionate about this, Donna, and I know that you can do this. So don't be afraid to branch out either. Because like I said, the skill set can be applied into other areas as well. So a lot of skill sets we learn in styling can be applied in different types of creative work. Like I said earlier, holiday decorating is a big one. Um, I used to do visual merchandising. I freelance for Ralph Lauren and anthropology. and because of uh, freelancing for Ralph Lauren, I got uh, projects through uh, to do private homes holiday decorating. Obviously, you don't have to do. You don't have to go through it that way. You can, you know, like approach people. There are people who put out ads to do that. And the thing is that once you get one home, it's much easier to get the other homes as well, like that homeowner's friends. So there are ways you can figure out how to get those type of jobs um, as well. I, I also did weddings. like I did event design. A lot of my friends saw my portfolio at anthropology and Ralph Lauren. And also my staging and then they book me to style their wedding. And so and obviously you can also style for photo shoots if your market has that. I'm seeing more and more producers approaching, like television shows producers uh, approaching stagers to do event decorating or doing set design for them. And a lot of it uh, has to do with, I think, is because producers think that stagers don't know how to charge. And so they undercharge than the photo sellers do. So photo stylists usually charge by day rate. And so they charge for the prep days and for on set and then also for wrap, which means like returning props or whatever. And then uh, rental furniture is usually a bit separate. So there there are more and more opportunities out there for stagers today, and um, it's it's really I think it's an interesting time. And also, there's a lot of like a blended business model as well. Like people are not just doing staging anymore. They might do Airbnb design. They might do project management. They might pick finishes for builders. So there are definitely a lot of ways for you to utilize those skills and build your portfolio. And ultimately, again, it's it's about the presentation. So now that you've done the great work, make sure you have a really great way to present that online, um, especially in today's marketplace. And this is why photograph is very important. So we have one last question from Kimberly. Kimberly says, Hi, I'm just starting out and beginning to purchase inventory. How much should I spend on sofas and chairs? I'm following your idea of cheap but not cheap looking furniture. So yeah, I always basically push for you to buy pieces that will withstand the test of time in the sense of styling. So that's why for for me, like for my own inventory, I buy things that are very simple lined, maybe a little bit on trend, but not too on trend. Because when trends go, like immediately that piece is going to get outdated very soon. Um, In terms of furniture, big furnitures are really not designed to be moved like every month, you know, so... Basically, if you can find a little bit more durable type of materials that are not too expensive, those are probably good investment for you to make. But ultimately, there's not really a magic number in terms of how much you should spend. uh, Unfortunately, I know every stager asks a question when it comes to pricing or whatever they want this magic number formula. Unfortunately, there's a lot of variables in your business. It really depends on your market, like what type of things are are attractive for your demographic, for your target customers, for target buyers. And the type of work you're doing as well, because buying inventory is a bit different when you're doing, when you're specializing in vacant versus like occupies. Or even when you do like walk and talk consultations, you don't buy inventory at all. And also how good you are at shopping. So, I basically specialize in baking home staging and essentially I am I was always shopping. I'm always looking at new shops coming out or new places I can get certain things. Like I know I knew my stores very well. Like I knew exactly if I need books because I use a lot of books as fillers and as like decorative pieces, I know exactly what store to go to get them for a dollar each kind of thing. So as as you grow in your business, in the beginning, you really have to do kind of the, the legwork to really visit shops, to really understand, to know, and start building a relationship with your local furniture vendor, because it's really going to be important for you to understand um, and see and know exactly what inventory really works for you and what doesn't and what price point is appropriate. And the more you look at things, the more a better feeling you're going to get. It's like, okay, I look at this chair. I think I should only spend like a hundred bucks on it or something like that. I'm just throwing numbers in the air. But you will get a better sense of how much things cost and then how much stuff you need to buy. And also, once you've been working for a while, then you have historical data to know that, okay, so beginning of March, it's going to be my peak season. So I really need to set some money aside if I need to invest in inventory. And I need to line up vendors, um, you know, because for example, last year, this month, we did 20 projects. And so this year, um, the market is still pretty good it's it's roughly the same condition as last year, so I think we can still hit twenty projects so then, in the back of your mind, you have to think about okay, if i don't have inventory for twenty projects, where can I go get them so i uh, in toward the end of my staging business, we order mostly wholesale we bought very very little retail, except for accessories, we still buy retail. Because those are kind of the trendy pieces that you can retire fairly quickly and fairly easily compared to big pieces. So we have wholesale relationship, but we also have a very strong relationship with a local furniture store. So that in case, for some reason, the wholesaler is not able to deliver on time, that furniture store can step in and kind of solve our emergency. So like, I really encourage you to really start doing the legwork work to kind of really figure out what are some of the good stores in your business, like in your area to shop for your home staging business. And in the beginning, when you're investing in a piece, so the first time it goes out on a job, chances are you are losing money. I mean, if you buy a couch for $1,000, there's no way you're going to recoup that in the first time when it goes out on a job. But after you had it out for a few times, you're going to get your money back and more. So this type of conversation is really worth having um, with your bookkeeper and or your CPA. And also it has to do with depreciation and how you write off your inventory as well. So you should definitely have a conversation and kind of get a guesstimate in terms of like, okay, I need to, I know that I need to, I need to like turn over the sofa four times to get its money back at this X price point. And so once you kind of really know your numbers, then you can really be better at shopping as well. And the other thing too is when I teach about inventory for our students, I always say that you want to figure out your brand first. So what is the look and feel for your staging? Um, what is your color story? What are you? What do you want to be known for in your marketplace? So for me, my staging style is that because we do a lot of historical homes, like a lot of Victorian homes that are Victorians on the outside, but inside they've been modernized, but they still cap that architecture details like the molding, or sometimes there's stainless glass um, and picture rails and all that. Or we do a very typical home um, at the kind of like, it was a kind of like a track home template. And so, so those are kind of the details that we work with. So, A lot of times when I stage, I obviously have new, more like uh, fresher looking things, but I also mix in vintage pieces. And so my clients really respond to that. It works very well in the Bay Area, um, at the areas that we were staging at the time. Things might have changed now, but I think, you know, once you've been working for a while, you're really going to start figuring out like your own signature style for your staging. So when you have that, you can put a mood board together and develop that mood board. And then when you go shopping, you can actually reference that mood board. So um, like, say you look at the sofa, you're like, oh, my God, it's such a good deal. It's only 200 bucks. But you look at your mood board. Okay, this doesn't really go with our inventory and the look and feel we want then that's not a good purchase for you. Because Even if it's only $200, it's going to come into your warehouse, it's going to sit. It's going to cost you real estate, but another couch that can make you money could sit there. And so it's really important to have these kind of tools to make sure that you are not buying things with their are good and great bargains, but you're buying things that are actually going to make you money. Like inventory is tools to make you money. In the beginning of my business, I was really hesitant in building my inventory But my mom was like, you know what, this is tool, this is a tool for you, it's an investment, it's a tool for you to generate income. And once I heard that, I was like, okay, good, here's my credit card, let's go shopping kind of thing. So you really have to understand that this is a tool that you're using for your business. And this is why it needs to be a calculated, it needs to be a strategy for you to do your work. So that's it for this episode. We have four questions. And so I hope you enjoyed this Q&A. Doing Q&A episodes is actually a lot of fun for me. Um, I love interviewing as well, but sometimes it's really great to be able to answer questions more in depth than trying to do it in a Facebook group. And so I might put out uh, more calls for doing stuff like this. So just stay tuned um, in our Facebook group or on our newsletter. I will update you um, to to tell you how to do that Um, for the show. And if there's anything that's not clear for you, or if you disagree with me, or you agree with me, or you want to add something more, feel free to drop me a question or comment in the show notes, and I'll answer it on another episode. So that's it. Thanks, guys, for listening. And thank you so much for the past nine seasons and supporting us. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by SocialLightVault.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, SocialLightVault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads even when you aren't working. The team at Socialite specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to sociallightvault.com So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining cost for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.